0: As the protests surrounding President's Trump immigration refugee executive order grew over the weekend, Uber came under fire for the great crime of having turned off their surge pricing to JFK Airport in New York in order to help travelers get home. What was so terrible about that? The New York Taxi Workers Association had participated in a one-hour work stoppage to join the protest against Trump's executive order. So Uber was supposedly undermining that protest, even though Uber turned off their surge pricing to avoid making a profit, only initiated that policy half an hour after the stoppage ended, and Uber's executives actually opposed the Trump executive order. But that was not good enough. Virtue signaling has swept the nation, with leftists policing each other to determine who doesn't clap the longest so we can shoot them. And now BuzzFeed has joined the fray. Just weeks after their idiotic targeting of HGTV couple Chip and Joanna Gaines for destruction because they committed the grave sin of attending a church where the, Bible quote, the, the pastor quotes the Bible on homosexuality, BuzzFeed now wants to target every other company it can find and give it the Uber treatment. BuzzFeed San Francisco bureau chief Matt Honan tweeted, quote, We're following which companies are speaking out on Muslim ban and which are not. BuzzFeed's Tom Guerra then ran a piece in which he suggested, as Silicon Valley debated its leader's stance on the immigration ban, corporate America simply said nothing at all. Silicon Valley Guerra wrote, said, quote, something which is more than can be said for the rest of corporate America, whose leaders have largely remained behind a wall of silence since Friday's announcement, even as plenty of their employees and customers at home and around the world were facing the prospect of being banned from entering the United States. So here's the question. Is it truly necessary for every company in the United States to take a position on a controversial executive order that is actually not a Muslim ban, that has not yet been fully interpreted, and that is still being adjudicated in the courts? Did every company in America have the responsibility to sound off on Obamacare? In fact, when corporations did sound off on Obamacare, if you recall, the left called them whiners and told them to shut up. The left wields the media as a club in its fight to push the country to the left. And simply staying out of the fight, that's no longer tolerated. If you do business, you're expected to do the bidding of the left which means the right will have to respond in kind in order to compensate for the leftist bullying. And every company will be forced into the polarizing political space rather than merely providing the best good and services at the most competitive prices on behalf of their shareholders. That isn't good for consumers. It isn't good for companies. It isn't good for the country. If people want to speak out, by all means they should. If they don't want to speak out, that's their prerogative too. And if they don't want to turn their companies into political footballs over issues that aren't even close to clear-cut, That is certainly justifiable. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. All righty, I got to tell you, folks. I mean, under Trump, it just feels like every event in the next 10 years has been crammed into one year. It's amazing. It's amazing. You know, my wife... Uh, always says that when you're not having fun, time moves incredibly slowly. That's also true when events move this quickly. And right now, what we're watching is an administration that has been four years long, and it's been a week and a half. I mean, it's truly amazing. There's so much going on, and we'll get to all of it. But first, we have to say thank you to our advertisers over at texture.com. So if you love magazines, if you're an information addict the way that I am, texture.com is for you. Actually, there's a guest that I'm trying to get on the show who I read about, in a Reader's Digest article, not because we subscribe to Reader's Digest, but because my wife uses Texture. Texture allows you to browse all of these magazines, check their back issues, subscribe to a huge number of magazines for $9.99 a month, and it includes tons of major publications. We're talking People, Better Homes and Gardens, Reader's Digest, National Geographic, Sports Illustrated, Vanity Fair, Rolling Stone and Cosmo. I mean, just it's, The list is about 100 newspaper magazines long, and you get access to all of them there's a the story that I'm talking about actually there's a lady amazing lady who takes in children who are terminally ill. She takes in babies who are terminally ill and have sort of been abandoned, and she adopts them until they pass away, which is an amazing story. I read that in Reader's Digest. Again, not through Reader's Digest, but through texture.com, and it's it's, it's the best reading aggregation material you can find, texture.com. You can download the app, and again, right now, it's normally $9.99 a month, and you get 200 magazines. Actually, it's 200 magazines, but if you sign up right now at texture.com slash ben, You get a 14-day free trial, so you can try it out, see if it's something you like. I promise you, you will. It's really fantastic. It's entirely digital, uh, and so that means you're not going to have to get all the magazines to your house, obviously. Texture.com slash Ben. Try it for free, 14 days, when you use that code slash Ben. That also lets them know that we sent you great service, Texture.com. My wife loves it. I love it, and it actually is helping to find the show, which is pretty cool. Okay, so it was a busy weekend. A A couple of notes that we have to make before anything else. Everybody on both sides is constantly attempting to attribute genius to their side and the other side. There's this broad, widespread public perception that people in politics generally know what they're doing. They generally know what they're talking about, that there must be a big plan. So if Trump appears to have screwed something up, no, it must be part of a conspiratorial, shadowy plan. No, maybe he just screwed it up. And if the left screws something up, then there's, on the right, this tendency to attribute it to some evil, shadowy conspiracy. Maybe it's just that they're incompetent. As Adam Carolla is fond of saying, you know, one of, the, one of the most disappointing facts about life is when you're a child, you think the adults know what they're doing. And then you become an adult and you realize that adults are idiots. They're just stupid. You know, they, they, you thought when you were a kid that they all have cars and houses, and that means they're smart. You thought when you were a kid the president of the United States knows what he's doing. The media know what they're doing. No, everybody's stupid. If you start from that premise, politics becomes a lot simpler, clearer, and more truthful. So, we begin today with Trump's, of course, immigration and refugee executive order. The media have lost their freaking minds over this thing. They've lost their minds over it. So we're actually going to go through it, and we're going to tell you what's in the executive order. Is it a Muslim ban? No. Is it legal? Maybe. Is it useful? Kind of. Was it rolled out like like a bunch of monkeys having to... Had, trying to have intercourse with the basketball, yeah, it was basically rolled out about as badly as you could. So here's what was actually in the executive order. We'll start with what's in it. Then we'll talk about whether it's useful and legal. And then we'll get to the left's insane response because it is totally over the top. It is totally crazy. And that's only the beginning of the stuff that was happening over the weekend. <laughs> so it's pretty, wow, wow. It's gonna be a busy four years gag. Okay, so number one. The executive order invokes 9-11. So Trump says because of 9-11, because of refugee, because of attacks by, by people who have come into the United States on student visas, we really have to crack down on the visa system. And that means that we're going to crack down on the, on the visa system. We're going to crack down on both immigrants and non-immigrants, meaning people who visit the country, as well as people who are attempting to immigrate to the country. And we're going to crack down on all of that. The order suspends visas from nationals of countries of particular origin. So the Secretary of Homeland Security, as well as Secretary of State and the DNI, Director of National Intelligence, are tasked under the order with determining the standard necessary for visa entry within 30 days. So they're going to rewrite the standard. All entering into the United States is suspended as immigrants and non-immigrants of such persons for 90 days from the date of such order. So these are the countries, this is where everybody's saying you're not able to get in if you're from Iraq, Iran, Syria, Libya, uh, and uh, and a couple of other countries. Not Afghanistan, not Saudi Arabia, not Pakistan. That's one of the flaws in this, and we'll get to that in a second. The order also states that there may be more countries that are added to this ban list. So again, it's seven countries they're talking about. It's Iran, Iraq, Syria, Libya, Somalia, Sudan, Yemen. Those are the seven that they are talking about. The Secretary of State and Homeland Security are able to waive the executive order for individuals. So if they determine that there's an interpreter who wants to get in from Iraq, they can waive the executive order. Okay, refugees are blocked for 120 days. All refugees are blocked for 120 days while we come up with new standards. Syrian refugees are banned indefinitely until Trump says okay. So they're given a special standard priority is given to victims of religious-based persecution. So what it says is that the Secretary of State is directed to make changes to prioritize refugee claims made by individuals on the basis of religious-based persecution, provided the religion of the individual is a minority religion in the individual's country of nationality. So the idea here, presumably, is that Christians living in Syria will be given higher priority. They'll still be able to get in. Muslims who are refugees from Syria are going to have a harder time. Now, that isn't actually a major shift from current refugee law. Current refugee law to def- finds a refugee as any person who is outside the country of such person's nationality and who is unable to return to the country because of persecution or well-founded fear of persecution on account of religion so that obviously encompasses christians the fact is that the obama administration really cracked down on christian immigration from syria which was truly an awful awful thing they took in, I think, single-digit numbers of Syrian refugees who were Christian in the last year, but they took in tens of thousands of Syrian refugees who were not. Uh, that's, that's ridiculous. The order limits the number of refugees total in 2017 to 50,000. People have been, oh, wow, that's just awful. Okay, except that was the normal standard like three years ago. It was only upped in the last couple of years. And then you get into the screw-up. So all of this is basically, okay, right? it's actually relatively moderate. This isn't a giant Muslim ban. There are 1.5 billion Muslims all around the world. They're not going to immediately be banned from the United States. The most populous Muslim countries are still allowed to send people to the United States. They're not banned. Again, this doesn't cover a lot of the countries. It probably should cover like Pakistan and Saudi Arabia and Egypt. right? It doesn't cover a lot of those places. All it is, it's a temporary moratorium. It's an outright ban. So it's not a Muslim ban. Okay, There's no way this is a Muslim ban. I've read the text. Members of the media should bother reading the text, but they don't. It's not a Muslim ban, folks. It just isn't. And the media is lying about that. Which brings us to the rollout. So the way that you normally would roll this thing out, let's say that you did this in a normal fashion. First, you you'd run it by the Office of Legal Counsel to make sure that the thing is well written legally. Second, you you'd probably want to pair it with some sort of executive order regarding how to help refugees, right? So you don't look like you're inhumane. So what you would do is you'd say, we're signing an executive order to help fund the creation of safe zones in Syria and in the Muslim Middle East for Syrian refugees, that they're not just getting slaughtered in Aleppo. Instead, they have a place to go, but they're not going to come here, right? That's the idea. That's what you and. And by the way, that's actually Trump's policy. He wants those safe zones. He could have announced that at the same time. He didn't. Third, you make sure all the agencies are on the same page. You say, we're going to implement this. You tell all the agencies, we're going to sign this thing, right? And you give them draft. You say, we're going to sign this thing. And when we sign it, it's going to go into effect. But you all have advance warning. You know how this is going to work. Instead, the way this was rolled out is Trump signed it. Nobody in any of the agencies knew what was going on. DHS didn't know what was going on. The Border Patrol didn't know what was going on. And so they called the White House and they said, OK, well, you know, this, this order doesn't make clear what happens to people who already have visas. Right? How about people who already have green cards? What do we do with those people? And DHS said, what we'd like to do is let them in. And then if you want to check their visas later, check their visas later, but don't hold them up at the airport or turn them around just because they're visiting family back in Iraq or something. Instead, they went to Steve Bannon and Stephen Miller. Now, I need to be clear about something with Bannon and Miller. Bannon is the superior. Miller is the inferior. Okay, Bannon is the one in charge. Stephen Miller is a 33-year-old speechwriter who has some policy expertise on immigration. Steve Bannon is the chief strategist to the White House. Steve Bannon is like 60 years old and has Trump's ear and is very, very tight with Bannon. The person who is the subordinate here is Miller. Miller is the one being tossed under the bus. That is not fair. Here's what CNN reported. The White House overruled the guidance from DHS, according to officials familiar with the rollout. That order came from the president's inner circle, led by Miller and Bannon. Okay, it should really read Bannon and Miller. Bannon is the powerful one. Their decision held that on a case-by-case basis, DHS could allow green card holders to enter the United States. Before the president issued the order, the White House did not seek the legal guidance of the Office of Legal Counsel. Apparently, they didn't bother to go through the standard agency review process at all. And it is worth noting that Donald Trump over the weekend also changed the constituency of the National Security Council to add Steve Bannon, who really is not qualified to sit on that thing, and get rid of the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, which just makes no sense at all. If you want Bannon in there, at least don't get rid of the Joint Chiefs. I mean, my goodness. Or the DNI. They got rid of Mike Pompeo as well. So this is this is incompetent. So, two things can be true at once. One, the executive order isn't nearly what the media are portraying it to be. It is not a Muslim ban. It's actually rather moderate. And two... This could be just a botched abortion of a rollout, and it really was. It's just an awful, awful rollout of a really not-that-big-a-deal program, but everybody is making it into the end of the world, because now you've got all these pictures of all of these people, kids, old people, trying to get into the country, and they have visas, and they've been here for five years on a green card, and now they're stuck at the airport... And then you have the the reunion pictures with all the people cheering around like like Trump is trying to ban Muslims from the country and the hashtag Muslim ban trending, even though it is not, it is not a Muslim ban. So let's go through a couple of quick questions about this thing first. Actually, before we get to going through a couple of quick questions, first we have to say thank you to our other advertiser for today, and that is DSTLD.com. So if you love jeans, and I do, I wear jeans pretty much every day. You would know that if you could see my pants, but you can't. But I wear jeans pretty much every day, and uh, and the jeans that I wear are from dstld.com. It is luxury grade denim, and it goes for about seventy five bucks. So jeans that normally cost you a couple hundred bucks. I mean, I have a pair of jeans that cost two hundred bucks. My dstld jeans are just as good. Uh, they're they're durable. They wear really well. They fit really well. And uh, it's not bargain bin stuff. I mean, it's high-quality jeans, 75 bucks. DSTLD.com. They also have jackets, so they have bomber jackets, and they have have a bunch of new stuff that's really good-looking and and great. They guarantee the fit. They'll send you a new pair if you don't like how it fits, and they eliminate those excessive markups because they don't use middlemen. They just mail it directly to you. Go to DSTLD.com slash Ben right now and get $10 off your first order. DSTLD, distilled. DSTLD.com slash Ben right now, 10 bucks off the first order, so 65 bucks for a pair of jeans. DSTLD.com slash Ben, distilled.com. And uh, they do really make high quality products. So, I want to answer a couple of questions and then we'll get to the left's reaction. So, answering a few questions about this. First of all, is this unprecedented? No, it's not totally unprecedented. The media is making this out to be the end of the world. No one's ever done anything like this before. No, there are a couple of precedents that are worth noting. One, President Obama had a six-month ban on Iraqi refugees in 2011. Second, in 1980, Jimmy Carter issued a ban on Iranian visa holders. So there are a couple of differences between what Trump is doing now and what Obama and and Carter did. First off, Obama's order only affected refugees. So Trump's order actually affects green card holders. Now they're backing off of that, by the way. But it, it presumably only affected green card holders. Uh, it affected green card holders, uh, student visas, travel visas affected everyone, whereas Obama's was only refugees. And uh, and Obama also implemented the policy quietly. Trump did so openly, so people say it's bad press. OK, I, I don't really care. Carter, how about Carter's policy? He put a moratorium on new Iranian visas, with an exception for humanitarian purposes, so he didn't ban refugees, and a cancellation of then-current Iranian-American visas. The purpose of that policy was to get the Iranians to give up the American hostages. It wasn't meant as a broad-based, indefinite policy. So it's sort of like those cases, and it's sort of not like those cases. I want to be as honest as possible in how we analyze the actual law. How about the legality of this thing? Is it legal, or is it not legal? And this is what people are asking, because courts have issued stays on parts of this executive order. So there's a really interesting kind of legal argument for people who like the specifics between Andy McCarthy of National Review on one side, and David Beyer of the Cato Institute institute on the other, it really comes down to two provisions of immigration law. One provision says no person shall receive any preference or priority or be discriminated against in the issuance of an immigrant visa because of the person's race, sex, nationality, place of birth, or place of residence. So that would seem to prevent these sort of bans on certain areas of the of the world. It's discrimination on the base of place of birth or place of residence. Okay, that's provision one. Provision two says the president has the capacity to suspend the entry of all aliens or any class of aliens as immigrants or non immigrants on the basis of saying that they are detrimental to the interests of the United States. So the question is which one of these legal provisions is the more powerful? Is it the one that gives Obama, that gives the president, gives Trump lots and lots of power, or is it the one that limits that power? So Bayer argues that it's the, it's the non-discrimination provision that's more powerful. And McCarthy argues that it's the presidential provision that's more powerful. Not really clear. That's the part that's going to be adjudicated in the courts. There's a pretty good case on both sides. Okay, finally, is this actually a smart order? Is the executive order actually smart? So there are a couple of problems with the order itself. First of all, does it achieve its stated purposes? So the media is pointing out that foreign-born refugees are responsible for like two deaths in America in the last... 10 years or 15 years. And so they're saying it's not its not calibrated. It's not well calibrated to achieve its purposes. And people on the right are saying, well, you know, it's, it's, it's common sense. You got to do it. Now, this sort of mirrors on the one side, to be intellectually honest, this sort of mirrors on the one side the arguments that have been had over birth control, not birth control, gun control, rather. The, the, the idea that they'll put a blanket ban on assault weapons and people like me will say, yeah, but assault weapons don't kill that many people. They aren't used in that many shootings. And they'll have to say, right, but it's common sense. We have to do something. Okay, now, you have to calibrate the solution to the actual problem. I agree that if we can't vet refugees, regardless of whether they're terrorists or not, we shouldn't let people in we can't vet. That's just a good general principle. Just as there's a background check, a federal background check that happens when you get a gun, this for mental illness and for criminal background check, the same thing is true when it comes to, if you're a federally licensed firearm dealer, that's true. The same thing should be true when it comes to coming into the country, immigrating into the country. So it's not really about Syrian refugees, per se. It should be applied to everyone. It should be creating a new standard for visas, and it applies to everyone. And the reason for that is that it's actually underbroad, right? It's too narrow. What if somebody comes from Saudi Arabia, let's say on a student visa or a travel visa, they overstay their visa, this policy doesn't really apply to them, per se. It doesn't stop them from coming into the country. They're from Saudi Arabia, right? Not from one of these seven named countries. Well, every hijacker on 9-11 was from Saudi Arabia or Egypt. How about Pakistan? Lots of terrorists come from Pakistan. Doesn't do anything about Pakistan. So if you're going to cite 9-11 as your rationale, you should actually calibrate a policy that would have stopped 9-11. Otherwise, you fall into the same trap as folks on the left when they say that their policy wouldn't have stopped Sandy Hook, but it's good anyway. Right? You actually need to tailor the policy so that it'll help stop things. So this is why I say it. this is a pretty narrow policy. It actually is not a broad policy. It's a pretty narrow policy. Second of all, it's an overbroad application. Again, stopping people in the air with no warning is, is just foolish. It leads to bad press. The whole thing was done idiotically. And you can tell how idiotically it was done because Bannon's already tossing Miller under the bus. Bannon's already saying, oh, Stephen Miller's fault. Like Joe Scarborough today was ripping on Stephen Miller. It's Bannon's. It's Bannon's fault, right? I mean, the fact is that Bannon, Bannon is the guy who's, who's largely in charge of these executive orders, but he's blaming Miller to get out of it. So that's, that's where we stand on this thing. Now, the left has lost its mind, and for that... For us talking about what the left has responded, you're going to have to actually subscribe at DailyWire.com, and you can watch the rest of the show there. You can also be part of the mailbag. You can watch the show live. Uh, we have new books and pamphlets coming out. We have new Shapiro gear that's coming out, all of which is very exciting at the Shapiro store. DailyWire.com, 8 bucks a month gets you a subscription. $8 an annual subscription will get you a signed copy of my novel, True Allegiance, which is fantastic, and there are more goodies to come. We're going to have a new giveaway, I think, pretty soon as well, so that's exciting. Uh, go to Daily wire.com to become a subscriber, we are the largest conservative podcast in the United States. So, moving along with my, with my premise here, which is that everyone's an idiot. The left has completely lost their mind. The left has completely lost it. So, the left, as I mentioned up top, the left has been attacking Uber. What did Uber do? Uber didn't take a strong enough position against Trump's executive order. What does Uber have to do with the executive order? Nothing. Nothing, they're a company, they drive people around, but it doesn't matter. Suddenly, it's Uber's fault if Trump passes an executive order. Okay? And then the left, they've lost their minds, they're just saying untrue things. What the left doesn't understand, folks, what the left doesn't understand, I think what, what fewer and fewer people generally understand is that truth is actually great at debunking lies. People tend to think now that lies work better than anything else, that you need a lie to debunk a lie. Okay, if you don't like Trump's policy, you know what the best way to fight Trump's policy is? Tell the truth about his policy. What you don't do is go out there and shout Muslim bans. So Representative Keith Ellison, who used to go around stumping for the Nation of Islam, so he's not exactly your your textbook moderate. uh, Keith Ellison, he says that it's a Muslim ban. This is a Muslim ban.
1: You know what? We've never had a religious based ban before, and they can't deny that this is a Muslim ban. It is a Muslim ban on the campaign trail. He said he wanted a Muslim ban. He said on national television that there would be other religious groups that would receive priority. This is a Muslim ban. Ban. Rudy Giuliani, who helped him write it, said that they started out with the intention of a Muslim ban and then they sort of languaged it up so to try to avoid that, um, that label, but it is a religiously based ban.
0: Okay, it is not a religiously based ban. Again, there are hundreds of millions of Muslims to whom this does not apply. Muslims who are in Europe, Muslims who don't come from the countries listed, people who are not Syrian refugees. It's actually a relatively narrow, it's a relatively narrow piece of legislation. It doesn't matter, all of the it, 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 all the left sees is Muslim ban. Tim Kaine comes out and he says, the, the former vice presidential candidate with Hillary Clinton, super incompetent, he comes out and he says, this is just like the Holocaust.
1: And and the irony is not lost on me that it was issued the same day as the White House issued their Holocaust Remembrance Day uh, proclamation that unlike any previous administration, removed all reference to Jews. So you put a religious test on Muslims and you try to scrub reference to Jews in the Holocaust Remembrance. This was horribly, horribly mishandled.
0: And um, horribly mishandled, but to pretend that this is like a new Holocaust, okay? Can I explain people like something about history? Like read a book, okay? The fact is, the reason that the United States' refusal to take in more Jews during the Holocaust was a serious problem is because everyone else also refused to take in more Jews. Okay, there was no Jewish state at the time. There wasn't an Israel for Jews to run to. Can you name a Muslim country? I can name fifty-seven of them. Okay, there are fifty-seven Muslim countries. Turkey has taken in, I think, 2 million Syrian refugees at this point. There are lots of places for Syrian refugees to go if Saudi Arabia feels like taking in Syrian refugees, which presumably they don't. The idea that it's up to the West to take in all of these refugees from countries that have a long history, not only with terrorism, but just with extreme beliefs with regard to civil rights, That's silly. There's plenty of places for people to go. This is not the same thing as the Holocaust by any stretch of the imagination. What's happening in Syria is awful. What's happening in Syria is evil. But the idea that Syrian refugees have to come to the United States or die in Syria is really silly, which is why I've said I think that Trump should have announced his actual policy on this thing at the same time. He should have said, We want to set up safe zones so Syrian refugees have a place to go. But that place to go is not going to be here. Elizabeth Warren is making her bones over this, too. She's shouting and screaming and calling a powwow over at Logan Airport. Uh, to, uh, to, she, she's raising the smoke signals about what's going on. We it is all heard <laughs>
1: about this order that President Trump has been. It is illegal? It, it is illegal. illegal. It is unconstitutional. It is unconstitutional. It will be overturned. It will be overturned.
0: Okay, the the charisma of wet paper sack. Indian Chief Elizabeth Warren uh, speaking at Logan International Airport. So the the airports were swarmed with thousands of people this weekend, impeding travel. I feel bad for Sage Steele at ESPN. She, She tweeted out something like, you know, I have sympathy for the protesters, but can I please get to my damn flight on time? And people lost their minds. How dare she? She would have been angry at Rosa Parks for holding up the bus. Well, no, no. You can actually hold a protest. The, the, the whole point of the Rosa Parks thing was that it was about the bus line, right? That's the point of it. The point of the airport protest is not about the airport. It's about the government. <laughs> okay, so you can actually allow people to get to their flights on time. I'm on Sage Seal's side. I'll tell you. I mean, like, if I want to get to my flight, I don't care who's protesting. I'm like, if I'm if I want to get to a flight, I'm like Robert Hayes at the beginning of Airplane. I'm knocking out the people who are trying to hand me literature if I want to get to a flight. So it's, it, it, it's ridiculous. But they took over all the airports. Uh, and uh, and we'll, we'll, you know what? I'm going to save the, the screen actors guild for the stuff I hate because that was really absurd. But um, the, the, the left, needless to say, they lose their minds. It's the end of the world. Trump is banning all Muslims. There's an article today that's trending on Twitter about how Trump is attempting a coup. This is a trial balloon for a coup. Are you people out of your damn minds? Are you Are you totally crazy? Okay, that's – no, it's not a coup. Okay, the same way – And there were a bunch of people on my side who thought that Barack Obama was just going to stick around for a third term without being elected. No, it wasn't going to happen. Donald Trump is not staging a coup. Okay, I'll let you know when there's a coup in the works. There's not a coup in the works. This is just stupid incompetence. Okay, so here's Trump's response. So Trump responds by giving a statement, and his statement is largely correct. Right? His statement says, let's see. It says, America is a proud nation of immigrants, and we will continue to show compassion to those fleeing oppression, but we will do so while protecting our own citizens and border. Okay. By the way, his policy is actually popular. It's like two to one. Americans like it. America has always been the land of the free and the home of the brave. We will keep it free and keep it safe, as the media knows, but refuses to say, my policy is similar to what President Obama did in 2011 when he banned visas for refugees from Iraq for six months. The seven countries named in the EO executive order are the same countries previously identified by the Obama administration as sources of terror. This is true. To be clear, this is not a Muslim ban, as the media is falsely reporting. This is not about religion. This is about terror and keeping our country safe. There will again be issuing visas to all countries once we are sure we have reviewed and implemented the most secure policies over the next 90 days. I have tremendous feeling for the people involved in this horrific humanitarian crisis in Syria. My first priority will always be to protect and serve our country. But as president, I will find ways to help all those who are suffering. Again, if that had been his initial rollout, we would have been fine, right? But that wasn't the initial rollout. Instead, it was just a botched mishandling of the rollout, which gave the left the excuse to turn this thing into Muslim ban, Muslim ban. Look, they're stopping all the Muslims at the airport's routine. Now, it doesn't help. It, do, it does not help when you have people like Rudy Giuliani as your spokespeople. So the, the former New York mayor goes on Janine Garofalo. Not, not, what's her name? Judge Janine. Judge Janine, not Janine Garofalo. Judge Janine's show on Fox News. And he proceeds to blow apart the Trump administration's entire reason for this thing. So the Trump administration keeps saying it's not a Muslim ban. And it isn't. If you read the text, it's not a Muslim ban. And then Rudy Giuliani goes on national television and says, ah, uh, it's a Muslim ban.
1: But I want to ask you about this ban. I want to ask you about this ban and the protest. Does the ban have anything to do with religion? How did the president decide the seven countries? Uh, I understand the permanent ban on the refugees. OK, uh, and, okay talk to me. I'll tell you the whole history of it. So right. when he first announced it, he said Muslim ban. He called me up, he said, put a commission together, show me the right way to do it legally. I put a commission together with Judge Mukasey, with Congressman McCall, Pete King, whole group of other very expert lawyers on this, and what we did was we focused on, instead of religion, danger. The areas of the world that create danger for us, which is a factual basis, not a religious basis. Perfectly legal perfectly sensible. And that's what the ban is based on. It's not based on religion. It's based on places where there are substantial. Okay. Oh, you
0: stupid, stupid man. You stupid man, stupid. Okay. If you're going to make the case that it's not a Muslim ban, don't say Trump said he wanted a Muslim ban. And then he said, how do we do it? So he made up a different excuse for doing a Muslim ban. We just called it something else. God bless America. How inco- this is why when people keep saying everyone's a genius, everyone's got a secret plan, it's all D chess. No, it might just be monkeys attempting coitus with a basketball. Okay, it might just be a bunch of people running around like chickens with their heads cut off, not really knowing what they're doing on all sides. Okay, if you just imagine that this is basically that scene at the end of Animal House where Kevin Bacon is standing around screaming, All is well, be calm. And everyone around him is running around like a crazy person. That's basically what politics is in America today. Right, left, and center, it's totally nuts. And as proof of this, as proof of this, over the weekend, Trump releases a statement about the Holocaust. Okay, and here is the statement about the Holocaust. It is with a heavy heart and somber mind, is Holocaust Remembrance Day. Heavy heart and somber mind, we remember and honor the victims, survivors, heroes of the Holocaust. It is impossible to fully fathom the depravity and horror inflicted on innocent people by Nazi terror. Yet we know that in the darkest hours of humanity, light shines the brightest. As we remember those who died, we are deeply grateful to those who risked their lives to save the innocent. So, here's the thing, right? This thing doesn't mention the Judes. Right, so if you're actually going to talk about the, the Holocaust and the Nazis, you might want to mention the victims of the Holocaust, the Jews. So yes, there were the victims of the Holocaust; there were gays and there were Gypsies. But the Wannsee Conference of 1933 was of 1943, directed by by Heydrich, was specifically designed to murder 11 million or more Jews in all of the occupied territories by the Nazi Party. This is the idea. It was it's maybe the only genocide in history that was openly organized to destroy the entire population of an ethnicity from the face of the earth. OK, so, so to not mention the Jews in the context of the Holocaust is just idiotic. It's just idiotic, right? It's stupid. So look, even Barack Obama, who was super horrible on this stuff and ran the worst administration for Israel in the history of the United States, even he understood that you have to mention the Jews when you talk about the Holocaust. Like, come on. As John, okay, so so Hope Hicks is the is the spokesperson for the Trump administration, and Hope Hicks says that we are we meant to do this. We meant to leave the Jews out. Really, she said this. She said despite what the media reports, we are an incredibly inclusive group, and we took into account all of those who suffered. You could do that by mentioning Jews and Gypsies and homosexuals. You can mention all those people. That's okay. But to just say innocent suffer, that's a way of rewriting history. It is. It's what the Soviet Union used to say about the Holocaust. It wasn't that big a deal. It was just another instance of people being killed. John Pod gets this right in commentary. He says, No ho picks, and no to whomever you are serving as a mouthpiece. The Nazis killed an astonishing number of people in monstrous ways and targeted certain groups. Gypsies, the mentally challenged open homosexuals, but the final solution was aimed solely at the Jews. The Holocaust was about the Jews. There's no proud way to offer remembrance of the Holocaust that does not reflect that simple, awful world's historical fact. Okay. That's true. So, is this a big deal? I don't think it's the world's biggest deal. I think that probably what happened is whoever wrote the statement decided it was too complicated to mention the Jews for whatever reason. Maybe they were trying to please their alt-right base. Maybe they're just stupid. I don't know. I can't attribute motives to people. I don't know. What I can say is that when you make them boo-boo, you should probably correct it, not double down on it. But knowing Steve Bannon and knowing the people who surround Trump and knowing Trump over the past couple of years— he has never made a mistake, right? There's never been a mistake. Everything must be doubled down upon. So, Ryan's Priebus, playing the, the Trumpian lackey, goes on national television, and then he says, there are no regrets for ignoring Jews in the Holocaust statement. So...
1: Uh, for the record, uh, that's the case. And do you regret we don't mean Does the any president regret ill any...
0: will to anybody. No, do you know, regret, regret. it's the just statement? no, it's no not, there's no, no regret.
1: Not in acknowledging the pain that we acknowledge it. We acknowledge the horrible time of the Holocaust and what it meant for history. But why so, whitewash Jews from that? I'm statement. not whitewashing anything, Chuck. I just told you did. that it was horrible. And well, I'm I'm telling you now that that's the way we feel about it, and it's a terrible time in history. And um, obviously, I I think um, you know that President Trump has uh, dear uh, family members that are Jewish and there was no harm or, or ill will or offense intended. No, by nobody cares that. about
0: that. That's, so, that that's, such a, that's such a bad answer. It really is. It's such a bad answer. It's the same answer that, that Obama used to give when he was asked about doing things that were anti-Semitic or anti-Israel. he oh they oh, look at my administration. Lots of Jews here. Like, no, I'm sorry. You did something wrong. Just say you did something wrong. Own up to it. Fix it. Who cares? Why is this a big deal? It's only a big deal because every time the Trump administration makes a mistake, they double down on it or opt obfuscated which is really just dumb. It's really just dumb. Do I think this was nefarious? Do I think this was a serious attempt to whitewash the Holocaust? No, I really don't. I think they're just idiots. Again, I think that if you if you if you come up with the premise that everyone's a moron, you're pretty well served in all of this. Okay, time for some things I like and then some things that I hate. So, Things that I like. We're going to do Shakespeare this week because everything has now become Shakespearean tragedy or comedy. So uh, there's a great series that no one has ever seen. It's from Canada uh, and it's called Slings and Arrows. And the premise of the series is there's this this group who's trying to put up a bunch of Shakespeare plays and they have no money and nobody wants to see them, but they're trying and they're struggling to do it. And right before they're about to open, the director drops dead, but his soul sort of remains with the company, haunting the company. Well, the, the, the new director who he brings in is sort of haunted by him like Macbeth, and they're doing the play of Macbeth. So it's really, it's really funny, it's really clever, uh, it's really charming and witty. It's called Slings and Arrows. You can check it out. Here's a little bit of the preview.
1: Here's to another 25 years of the festival. I do entreat your grace to pardon me. I know not by what power I am made bold. What's the point of having sheep if there's no bleating? I'll cue up the bleats. Yes, queue up the bleats for God's sake. Honestly. When did you stop caring about the details, Oliver?
0: Dream number five? Mm. Two minutes, Alan. We have two minutes! Oh, sorry. Sorry. A good show. So you, you have to, if you like theater, it's fantastic, but it's, it's, really, it's really well done. If you like Shakespeare, it's, it's a great series. So check it out. Slings and Arrows, really, really great series, worth watching. Okay, other things that I like. I don't know when reality mugged Bill Maher, but Bill Maher has been saying some, some pretty intelligent things lately on his show, which is shocking. Uh, and, uh, and so here's something that he had to say over the weekend about why the left keeps losing.
1: Liberals must examine all the reasons why we keep losing elections. Starting with Democrats have gone from the party that protects people to the party that protects feelings From ask not what your country can do for you to you owe me an apology (laughs) If someone feels badly that's all that matters No That's not all that matters. In fact, things like this don't matter at all. What matters is that while you self-involved fools were policing the language at the Kids' Choice Awards, a madman talked his way into the White House.
0: Okay, so you decide that last part. It is true that the left has destroyed itself with its its obsession with feelings. It makes them look like idiots. And most Americans look at them, and most Americans still agree with me slogan here, right? The one that I made up right here, this facts don't care about your feelings routine. Most Americans still agree with that. Most Americans still believe that unless you're actually actively harming somebody, then your feelings matter a lot less than the actual act of bullying people or hurting people. Uh, and, uh, And the left has failed to acknowledge that. And so what they've done is they've actually glommed together really bad bad things, and just things that are annoying. And that's really stupid, because what that does is it means that really bad things start to look like just annoying things. When you put bad things and annoying things together in one bag, it it gets hard to tell the difference between bad and annoying. That's what the left has done. And in the process, they've made bad things into annoying things and annoying things into bad things. You have to keep them separate. Bad things are bad things. Annoying things are annoying things. They're not the same. Okay. Other things that I like. And the media has suddenly been hit with the self-aware stick. Chuck Todd on NBC News He said he finally admits, you know why Hillary lost. It's because we in the media kept pretending that Hillary was doing fine.
1: And so what I would say, one of the great where I think political correctness got in the way of what we all knew as reporters and didn't fully deliver was how hated the Clintons were in the heartland. And I think it was a fear of, oh, is it going to look like it's sexist? Anti-woman, if we say that, you know, look, there were no Hillary, there were no Donald Trump for prison um, posters that I saw on the trail and on anybody's lawn. People so willing to express their distaste that they would put it on their yard. But I did see it with Hillary Clinton.
0: I mean, this is one hell of an admission. He's basically saying, we knew the truth. We didn't tell you the truth because we told you the truth we were afraid you'd call a sexist. You, You want to talk about feelings over facts? That's feelings over facts right there. Amazing admission by Chuck Todd. Okay, time for some things that I hate. You know, every day we could actually just do things I hate and we could just say everything and then we'd be done. But then it would be too short. So instead, we, we name specific things that we hate. So last night at the Screen Actors Guild Awards, the actors felt it necessary to, to sound off again. Now, they have every right to sound off as much as they want to. But the cheers that they receive for this, like, oh, they're so brave. Oh, they're so brave for doing this. Yes, I'm sure they're so brave for telling all of their lefty friends all of the things their lefty friends cheer them for and conservatives are willing to ignore because we'd rather watch Stranger Things than hear the actors in Stranger Things babble about silly things. So, it began last night with Ashton Kutcher attacking Donald Trump's executive orders. That's right, the star of Dude, Where's My Car? has something important to tell you about immigration and refugee policy. Good evening, fellow
1: SAG-AFTRA members and everyone at home. And everyone in airports that belong in my America.
0: So when is he letting them into his house? Just a a question. You are a part of the fabric of who we are. And we love you and we welcome you. But not into our houses, unless you're the maid. That's the rule in Hollywood, right? All the people who are stuck in airports. We also welcome you to the 23rd annual Screen Actors Guild Awards. Okay, so he starts off with that, and it's only downhill from there. The one that's getting all the attention is David Harbour. So David Harbour is one of the actors from Stranger Things. He's the guy who plays the sheriff in Stranger Things. So there are a few things about this. There's one thing I do love, and, there's, and then there's the speech itself. So the thing I love is watch Winona Ryder's face during this speech because it is so unbelievably amusing. It's really spectacular. So on behalf of and then there's what he actually has to say. And uh, what he has to say is really obnoxious.
1: This fearless and talented cast, uh, we would like to thank. Oh, it's so heavy. Uh, We'd like to thank Netflix, uh, Sean, Matt Ross and the amazing casting director, Carmen Cuba. And I would just like to say that in light of all that's going on in the world today, it's difficult to celebrate the already celebrated Stranger Things. But this award from you who take your craft seriously and earnestly believe, like me, that great acting can change the world is a call to arms from our fellow craftsmen and women to go deeper. And through our art to battle against fear, self-centeredness and exclusivity of our predominantly (laughs) narcissistic culture and through our craft to cultivate a more empathetic and understanding society. Society by revealing intimate truths that serve as a forceful reminder to folks that when they feel broken and afraid and tired, they are not alone. We are united in that we are all human beings and we are all together on this horrible, painful, joyous, exciting, and mysterious ride that is being alive. Now, as we act in the continuing narrative of Stranger Things, we 1983 Midwesters will repel bullies. We will shelter freaks and outcasts, those who have no homes. We will get past the lies. We will hunt monsters. And when we are at a loss amidst the hypocrisy and the casual violence of certain individuals and institutions, we will, as per Chief Jim Hopper, punch some people in the face when they
0: seek to destroy
1: the meek and the disenfranchised and
0: the marginalized. I love and all the actors. All okay, so stop right there. So punch some people in the, and all the actors are like, yeah, where's my paid security? Right? <laughs> the last time these actors punched somebody in the face was never. Okay, so a few things about this that are really incredible. First of all, the arrogance of actors just generally is astonishing. We change the world with our acting. No, nobody watched Stranger Things and they went, refugee policy. Now I understand. Yeah, the fact is, you'd never see the sort of arrogance from the people who actually make the world go, right? At the Plumbers Convention, no one gets up winning the Plumber of the Year Award and they go, plumbers can change how people feel about the world. No, plumbers are here to fix your plumbing. Actors are here. Sorry to break it to you, gang. Actors are here to amuse us. Actors are here to entertain us. Maybe they help change our feelings about certain issues, but those issues are few and far between. Most of the time, we put on entertainment at night because it's entertaining, not because we're looking to have our worldview changed. But this idea is, we believe that our craft changes the world. No, actually, it's the writers who are doing that. You're just the actors. And And when people act badly, like Chuck Schumer broke into tears over this whole thing, people just mock him. So, that's number one. Number two, That's an amazing line, the one that they're cheering where he says, we will punch some people in the face. Okay, so I'm old enough to remember when Donald Trump was saying that he would pay the legal bills of people who punch people in the face at his rallies. You remember this? And the entire left lost their mind. And I said, this is not good. It's not good when Obama says we'll bring a knife to a gunfight. It's not good. When Donald Trump says he'll pay the legal bills of people who assault people at his rallies. And it's not good when actors say we're going to punch people in the face because we disagree and the entire Hollywood crowd starts cheering. Can you imagine what the reaction would have been if Clint Eastwood in 2012 at the RNC had said Obamacare is an awful policy and you know what we're going to do? We're going to say make my day. The left would have said what is he threatening to shoot people? Right? Is he threatening violence? How dare Clint Eastwood? But this guy gets up there and he starts shouting, and he's never heard of this guy before, Stranger Things. This guy gets up there and he starts shouting about, we're going to punch people in the face. And then they wonder why the American discourse is dying. They're wondering why it is that the social fabric is falling apart. Listen, you can disagree with the executive order. You can think that it's badly written. I think parts of it are badly written, too. You can think it was horribly rolled out. You can think whatever you want about it. It doesn't give you the right to act with violence against other people in a civilized society. That is the definition of civilization. But he's being cheered by people on the left for this sort of thing. He's being cheered. And that's an amazing statement about where we are in American politics, that this is considered heroism. To get up there wearing a black tie and wearing a, uh, and wearing a tux at a place where nobody's getting punched because they've got high-level security and cops surrounding the entire place, talking about punching your political opponents this is not good for the country it's really bad for the country and everybody cheering and saying this is brave it's not brave in the slightest and it's not good in the slightest you can oppose everything and still this is re- and and still say that that violence in pursuit of your political ends is the beginning of fascism so that's ridiculous okay final thing that i hate uh, Lena Dunham, I got, I got actually a little criticism because I've been saying that Lena Dunham has the charm and looks of a russet potato. The reason that I say that, that, that I make fun of Lena Dunham's looks is because she's made an issue of her looks. She's said things in the past like, if you're not sexually attracted to me, it's because you're a sexist. And then she has a, a nasty habit of getting naked in all of her shows because she wants to demonstrate to the world that nudity is somehow bravery if you're not pretty or something. So in just another example of this, Lena Dunham decided that she was going to do a personal ad for health care naked in her bathtub, of course. Hi, my name is Lena Dunham. Oh, no. Whether you like me or hate me, I'm guessing you love health insurance. And you only have three more days to sign up at healthcare.com up. You won't see an ad for this on TV. I have no idea what happened. Please go. Get what's yours. Enjoy. NSFW. What? What? Just what? Why shouldn't that, why is she here? Why is she talking? By the way, in 10 years, she will be Winona Ryder. She'll be the lady who looks like she's completely disconnected from reality, making weird faces on the stage. Right? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh, Winona rider. Wow. Okay. It makes me appreciate her performance so much more because she was actually able to get through it. I mean, this is like, it's, uh, it's spectacular. It's just spectacular. Well, come back tomorrow when there is sure to be more insanity. Trump is supposed to announce a Supreme Court pick tomorrow. I'm going to talk about what we should be looking for in a Supreme Court pick tomorrow. And I'm sure there will be much more fallout on all of this. Plus... I can only assume more actors doing ridiculous things, which should be that instead of things I hate, it should just be called actors doing ridiculous things, because that's basically where we are. Uh, well, guys, we've been here for like a week and a half. It's been President Trump for a week and a half, and I'm already seven years older. So by the by the time this is like the end of uh, this is the end of the the third Indiana Jones flick. By the end of this administration, I'm going to be that guy who has his face completely melted off and he's 180 years old and then withers into dust. So you can watch that process tomorrow. Just come on back. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values and that free...